Happy Brews Day Tuesday, everybody. My name is Caroline King, and you're listening to Bitch Beer. Thanks for joining us again this week. I have a very exciting guest who is a longtime friend of the podcast, Dr. J. This is her second time on the podcast. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to her first episode a um, little earlier last year, please do. Um, not required, though. We're just continuing from where we left off with Dr. J and what progress has been made. And I am just so excited for you all to hear this episode. She is such an amazing human. Honestly, at this point, she's family. I say friend of the podcast. She's basically like our fun cousin that comes to town every now and again and shows us all the cool stuff going on. So she's an amazing human. Uh, she runs Crafted for All, which is an incredible program, an incredible company where she offers resources to breweries and restaurants that are looking to improve their diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. Incredible resources. She was keynote speaker at the Georgia Craft Brewers Guild uh, conference last year. Very, uh, that was an amazing time. That was really great speech that she gave and also just a lot of incredible information. And she's really good at focusing on accountability, redemption, and learning for everybody. It's a really fantastic program that she runs. And also just, we have a great conversation that I am so excited for you all to hear. I hope you enjoy. Cheers. We go. Hi, Dr. J. How are you doing? Hello. How are you? Good to talk to you again. Yeah, great to have you back. Uh, you are always a welcome guest on on Bitch Beer, so I'm super happy that you're here. <laughs> um, so the last time that we had you on, it, it was so great to have you, and we had such a great conversation about things that breweries can do to just increase their awareness and also make sure that they have a diversity and inclusion program and everything that's happened since then. Um, I, yeah, I'd love to like check in with you and see how things are going, how you've noticed things are going, um, and how you feel about, uh, the work that breweries are doing right now. Yeah. Well, um, so things are going great. You know, um, I think, uh, every day I look up, I feel like I see, um, more people engaging in the conversation, more people, um, committing to the work, you know? So I think in general, it's great to see, you know, um, I think one of the most challenging things that's, you know, out there is really to talk about, um, industry-wide progress. How do we know when it's happening? How do you measure it? How do yeah. we how do we go along with things? Um, and the the like really important reality that when we're talking about you know systemic change or cultural transformation, those are um, those it's are a lot long-term projects, right? Yeah. Like so, um, there those are the types of things that generate noticeable change over the course of decades rather than months or years. So 
Um, I think some of it is also just, you know, buckling up for the long ride. <laughs> and I think the cool thing is, you know, the more I observe, the more I listen, the more I see people who have kind of suited up for that long road trip. I think that's a, a, a lot of great things to bring up because, you know, it, that's exactly what it is. It's not just, um, you know, putting up a Facebook post or an Instagram post about like, oh yeah, we're inclusive. It's, it's like a structural, like from the top down sort of change that you have to do with your organizations. And you've just been so vocal and so involved in that change. Um, I know we were all so excited to have you for the Georgia Craft Brewers Guild for our conference um, as our keynote speaker, which was so amazing and such a privilege to have you. So what are what are some examples that you've seen of like major change that you've been most impressed with, um, whether it be small or like something a little bit with a bigger organization? What are some of the things that you've loved to see? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think I'd be remiss if I if I didn't talk about some of the changes that I think are going on um, in my role with the Brewers Association as their equity and inclusion partner. Um, you know, I think... I always talk about it as like one of the most important changes to me, but I think um, I think it often does it kind of misses the radar for a lot of folks, and that's just the ongoing effort to actually collect usable industry-wide data about who is um, consuming craft beer and who is working in the industry. Wow. Um, when I first, you know, started working in the DEI space in craft beer at this point, like five years ago, five or six years ago, um, there was no data, right? Like we only had our experiences of walking into places and saying, oh, nobody looks like me, mm -hmm. right? You know, now that data is out there. People say with certainty, like, oh, there's X percent in, of this and X percent of this. And just being able to put a pin in it, right, and quantify Wow. where we are and where we're going. It's such a massive accomplishment. And I'm, um, you know, it, does, it doesn't seem like a, a big accomplishment, but it, it's one of the ones that I think is most important um, that we have ongoing um, data collection efforts so that we can um, see exactly, you know, what those disparities look like and be able to measure change um, over, you know, year to year and decade to decade so that we know that we're doing the right things. Um, I think uh, the Brewers Association um, mini grants program has been um, a really delightful project to kind of um, see into the world and oversee for the last couple of years. Um, it was primarily focused on events when we started it. People might remember it as the diversity inclusion events grants program. Right. And of course, having an events grants program yep. during COVID-19 um, is, yeah, not great. Challenging. So we the, yeah, we put the plan on a hiatus. Um, the folks who were granted in 2020, you know, we had to make a really challenging contacts to those folks and say, you know, we're sorry, we can't fulfill this grant. Um, and um, I think there, there's a testament to the fact that we were like, okay, we have to make sure this program comes back and um, as of the end of last year, it's not just back, but we've expanded it. So that's incredible. Um, it's not, yeah. So it's not just called the events grant program um, now, it's just called the mini grants program. Uh, Which and Jen Price we, received one, correct? For Crafted for Action? Yeah. That's for amazing. For Action, absolutely. I'm so, so proud of like, her. Uh, 
just like Crafter for Action. Actually, uh, we granted that that conference last year. We granted again this year. So um, such an amazing event. And that's such a perfect, a perfect example mm-hmm. of the, why the program exists. Right. right. So that, you know, as the National Trade Association, we're well positioned to do some things, but we're not well positioned to, you know, do the work on the ground in certain regions, right? Like we're based in Boulder. I'm, I'm personally not, but like the association is based in Boulder. Um, we're not Atlanta natives, mm-hmm. right? Like we don't have the kind of deep connections, right? Ways to leverage different people's knowledge, you know, the, just what Jen brings to the table. Right? Oh gosh, like so much. Jen has. So it's so important to be able to like put resources in the hands of a Jen Price, yeah. right? of someone who will take it and run and do the work in their community and nationally, right? Because Crack for Action is, is, you know, virtual and worldwide. It's great. Um, but like that's, right, that's for me, the absolutely the spirit of this program. So um, as of this year, it's not just events. So that it's expanded to media production projects. Oh, wow. So are you out there making a, making a film? You making a podcast? A podcast? Uh, is that something uh-huh. like, how do you apply for something are like that? That's so cool. <laughs> um, and if you are making a podcast that um, has, has a mission to diversify the people who are, you know, enjoying craft beer or working in our industry, um, you can apply for this grant. Wink, wink. I am um, gonna uh, right after we get off the phone. I'm applying right away. I didn't know that it was. Oh, that is so cool. And that was gonna be so my next like, question. I'm so glad you're answering that. Um, yeah. So, like, do you need equipment? Do you need production help? Yes. Yes. Do you need, yes. <laughs> well, then we want you to apply. Um, we accept proposals on a rolling basis mm-hmm. um, throughout the year. Um, and, uh, we will fund up to 25% of your project budget. So whatever wow. your budget budget is, we'll fund up to 25% to it up to $5,000. That is so um, cool. And so, I mean, podcast films, there's so much going on with film and podcasts and media. And I love that you all expanded it to digital platforms because was that kind of a result of, um, dealing with COVID-19, like the pandemic yeah. and- that's some great. Of it was COVID and some of it was just like people are making a change, making change, making an impact in ways that are much more than just events, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, people still have an event, which is awesome. But we realized people are making interventions in, in other ways. Like, are you making an app? That, yeah. that Right. Are you making a, a website? Right. Like, all of these things make sense, like just new ways to reach people. And then um, the third category that we've opened it up to is educational curricula and programs. Um, so um, good example, um, Black and Brew Chicago does this. Oh, all I about love them. Program. They are great. Um, we just, we just granted um, them for, for a project they're putting together. Oh, I'm so, so happy for them. That's great. Yeah. So just, you know, people who are, you know, do you have a local or state guild and you're putting together a track for your conference about inclusion? That's, that's perfect. Are you creating a lecture series for owners? You know? um, so really we're just, I think it's like, it's cool. COVID was certainly like, um, 
was certainly a motivator, but I think it's also like really awesome people on um, the philanthropy and outreach subcommittee of the Brewers Association Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, who just were like, you know what? People are doing way more than events, and we need to be able to, to put the resources in the hands of people who are going to make, make change, right? So, um, so that's that's been really exciting, and I'm really excited to see that program move forward. Um, and then, you know, our, our mentorship program is just like, um, taken off, which is really wonderful. That's amazing. Um, it's part of what I think is like a growing constellation of other mentorship programs, you know, that I see out there. So I think just people really embracing, you know, mentorship incubators, um, ways to kind of look at other people and not say like, Oh, you need my help, but like, let's make sure that all ships rise because I um, love that term. I think that's really important, right? I think it's super important. And I think it's so funny because, you know, we say things like, um, you know, you want to bring more diversity to craft beer. And I just right. kind of laugh because I'm like, diversity is already here. Right. Like, <laughs> go outside, yeah. you know, like. Come to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, it like, it's not like we, nobody needs to create diversity. Diversity right. is. We just need to get on board, right? Like mm. we're, we're like missing the bus you know and so like it's like we're standing around talking about creating diversity I'm like diversity has been without you right like just catch <laughs> up at this point so for some breweries out there who because you know like Atlanta we're so lucky here in Atlanta and other larger cities mm-hmm. to just have a naturally diverse environment but also diverse uh, groups of people that'll come into establishments but what about so say for these like smaller towns or people kind of on the outskirts like what are some ways that these breweries can just find ways to be more inclusive and and just get out there and get to that broader range of customers yeah um yeah so there's this um there's this saying that I've been like really clinging to lately um, and that is that, uh, you know, if you are um, what I think of like as a culturally like generative organization, like you've got this great culture going on that people want to be part of, right. that, um, that your space is actually um, not an ecosystem, right? Like a system of individuals, but it is an ecosystem. So I love like, that. Right, of a, a dynamic space where people um, give and take, you know. And if you go outside, you know, just look at your yard or the park or whatever, you see this the system where you know the plants live and die, and the insects, you know, um, aerate the soil to help the plants and help you know break down dying plant matter. Which you know, there's this whole circular give and take to an ecosystem, and I think. Breweries that adopt that kind of cultural model of how they're engaging with their spaces, that they are part of an ecosystem, which means the boundaries of your brewery aren't like brick walls or porous. So you know what's going on in your community. You know who your community is. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I would say, you know, I want to push back when people say like, well, this is amazing, but my community doesn't have diversity, right? And I'm like, bull, right? No, like, you're right. You're absolutely every, right. Every community has diversity. Maybe it's not ethnic diversity, but it's some other type of diversity. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not 
you know, maybe it's not dimensions of diversity that are plainly visible, but I bet you have folks living with disabilities. I bet you have veterans. I bet you have older folks. Like you have people across gender spectrums. You have, you know, neurodiverse people. Like I just think that we do ourselves a little bit of an, of an injustice when we kind of do the quick, the quick eyeball test and say, oh, no diversity, right? So open those boundaries to your brewery. Like don't, you know, think about the ecosystem that you're part of so that you can get a really nuanced sense of like what diversity is where you are. And then once you actually say, oh, okay, maybe our diversity isn't this type, but it's, there's lots of diversity here. Yeah. Then you can really think about like, oh, I get it. Now I understand. And now I can start thinking about ways to be more inclusive to the diversity that exists here. Right. right. Um, and that's why I always tell people, there's no one size fits all. Right. Diversity right. in Atlanta is not the same as diversity in Montana. Very it's true. Not, it's not Right? Mm-hmm. So you have to know, um, and that takes some time, right? It takes some willingness to like really be embedded in your community. I, I appreciate you bringing that up because that's such a good point to bring up. You know, sometimes the diversity isn't what you think of as traditional diversity, but diversity is diversity. So like what ways okay. are we making that outreach? Um, so thank you for bringing that up. Um, so since being with the, so you've been with the Brewers Association, you said for five years now? No, I, I started with them at 18, so I've been there for four years, but wow. we have been doing support centers for that, yeah. That's incredible. So since getting started with the Brewers Association, what are some of your favorite accomplishments since getting started there to now? Yeah. Um, Probably too many I mean, to I count, think, but. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think one of the things that's really interesting is like I I started with the BA in a different role. So I was their diversity ambassador. Um, which was a much more limited role, uh, part-time, and it was really only member-facing. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of giving talks at the Guild, creating resources for members, but it was really kind of outward-facing. And now, you know, my new new role with the BAS, their equity and inclusion partners, um, it's full-time, and I, you know, not only do external member facing things, but also lots of internal work. So working on uh, the BA itself, working with staff, with the board of directors and committee. Um, And that's a huge change. And and it's been really great. Um, And, you know, if you would have asked me four years ago, like, is that that where you're going to be? I probably would have said, of course not. Um, so maybe just being able to um, make the relationships and being, for, you know, fortunate enough to to earn the confidence of folks. Um, just just doing that is a huge accomplishment for me personally. You know, I think um, one of the more frequent questions I ask is like, "How did you prepare for that job?" You know, I. I come from higher education and I still do a lot of um, mentoring and advising both for, for my former students um, from years ago at college, but also, um, you know, people who I meet along the way, like faculty manager from XYZ or employee who happened to come to a guild talk somewhere else, you know, um, 
I, I, I still love mentoring and advising. You know, a lot of people are like, what, okay, what should I do to be ready for this job? And how'd you get this job? And like the most honest answer I have is like, I made it up. Like that's incredible. Um, and I'm you know, and that, I think that still, that, that still feels like, you know, a little bit of an unreal accomplishment. I, um, even, you know, even when it's very, very hard, you know, on the very, very hard days, and there are, there are lots of them. Um, I feel enormously grateful to be like, you know, you kind of, you had this like weird, weird, overblown passion for beer. Right. And like too many college degrees and, um, like this like commitment to, to social justice and advocacy. And like, you were privileged enough to, to be able to put it all together. And that, um, on the personal accomplishment side, that's, that's very huge and special to me. It's so huge and so special because it's like all of your experience in your life and everything you've been working for just like comes together so perfectly and it benefits so many people on such a wide scale. So I just, you're just a unicorn in this industry and it's just so, it's, it's so great to, first off to anytime that I've heard you speak or any sort of resources that I, that I've come in touch with that were because of you, it's just, it's so important. So it's just such a privilege to have you in this industry. Um, I appreciate that. And honestly, (laughs) I feel like the cool thing right now is like, there's kind of a, like a herd of unicorns, like massing out there. There are quite a few. You, Jen Price, like there's, yeah, there's quite a few unicorns in this industry. That's great. I am so excited that I'm getting to the point where I can't just rattle off the names, right? Like I used to do Jen and Ren and Tao and Benny and blah, blah, right? Like oh, I just yeah. right, say the names. And now I'm like, no, I don't know all the names. And that's as it should be, right? But yeah. like, there should be too many people doing this work for, for any of us to know all of our names. And we're, we're hitting that critical mass. And that, um, that feels awesome. That's really great. And so what are your hopes? So really for, I feel like definitely the past two years and certainly the past year, um, there's been so much just an upheaval in the craft industry that needed to happen. Like this had Mm -hmm. to happen. Things had to change. What have been um, some of your favorite changes to see positive changes um, in the past, let's say year? The the space that I'm kind of existing in right now or where I'm really investing a lot of future effort is, um, you know, and what, what I always just call professionalization. Right. Um, so I think a lot of what we've done in the DEI space in our industry has been, um, has been, could be categorized in a couple of buckets. Some of it is just advocacy. So it's really like convincing people this is a worthy effort. Um, some of it has been, speaking truth to power, right? So like, um, like, you know, the folks at Brave Noise and PAC and some of the other folks have done, right? Just, um, you know, speaking truth to power and making sure that like, uh, things aren't swept under the carpet. Um, I think, you know, there's been a massive push for, um, philanthropy and opportunity making that opens doors and starts to like address inequality in terms of um, access and advancement in the industry. Um, And all of those things are amazing. You know, I think 
what I'm seeing now and what I'm really hopeful for is um, the shift to just professionalization. So, you know, all of these things that we talk about when we're saying DEI are not special, right? They're not things that you need a cookie for or that you get a pat on the back for. Mm -hmm. It's really what it means to run a professional business. I want people who are doing DEI not to do it because they're woke. I want them to do it because they're solid, because they're running sustainable, profitable Mm -hmm. businesses, period, right? And like, maybe they don't even call it DEI. Maybe it's just called good business, right? And I think- That's fair, um, yeah. Right, I think, you know, for people to stop seeing it as something special and being like, this is just part of, you know, the fiber um, professionalization. And I think we've done this as an industry before. And so, you know, I think for a while we were a little bit as an industry, a little bit wild west when it came to like safety practice. And I think right now we're so much further along as an industry with um, people having safety programs and being like really committed to making sure um, the best hazard assessment is being used, um, right. And in their production floors that they're, um, making sure PPE is used without exception, that they're taking care of guests, right. Right. All of those things. Safety is now just become kind of part of the DNA. I think it's, uh, it happened with quality, right? Like Mm -hmm. once upon a time, it was kind of rare for a brewery to have a micro lab. That's true. Now they all have them. (laughs) Right now, people are like, what? You don't have a lab? Like, hmm, how are you maintaining the quality of your product? That's true. Um, and that that has become a part of professionalization. I think sustainability was a question that, you know, only the, the New Belgians and the Sierra Nevadas in the world really, really dug into for a long time. And now, right, everyone is saying, what can we do to help preserve water, to be conscious of our wastewater stream, yeah. to utilize ingredients in sustainable ways to buy local, right? Like sustainability is part of it. And so I think we're adding a fourth, right? To that trio of things that we've established as cornerstones of our industry, right? Um, Safety, sustainability, quality. And and the fourth for me is thriving people, right? right? Thriving human beings. Oh, I love that. Are part of this. So, you know, this is why um, this past year and moving forward, um, at the Brewers Association, we've launched an initiative called Thrive. Um, Thrive is essentially the intersection of uh, DEI, so diversity, equity, and inclusion, human resources, and uh, wellness, both physical and mental. Um, so we kind of think of those three things as like, it's hard to work on one without working on all, all three. Very right? True. Like if you don't have if you don't have good HR practice, it's really hard to make the DEI best practices stick because you don't have policies. You know, if people aren't feeling well mentally and physically, they don't have the space to take care of themselves or others, which is really the core of HR and DEI, right? Caring for self and others. So at the Crackers Conference in a couple of weeks in Minneapolis, um, we're doing a whole uh, full day pre-conference workshop um, that is, you know, uh, the Thrive Workshop. So it's just a whole day of seminars and workshops on DEI, HR, and wellness, which wow. is super exciting. Um, and there will certainly be, you know, more to come of Thrive, but um, 
that's really where I'm putting kind of my future efforts in, you know, I'd love, I love leveling up a little bit and saying like, of course, we're trying to do DEI work and address, you know, our persisting inequalities, right, and barriers to access and advancement. But we also are in a space where we can, right, go up a level and say, but this is also about cultivating a, a people-centered industry that is really invested in making sure individuals can thrive, that communities can thrive, right? and that we can do that in a space where whoever you are, from whatever background, to whatever you're living through, you know, you have the ability, right, to be your authentic self, and that doing so um, makes you an asset, right, to your right. organization. These are all so many. I mean, there's just so much information here that I love. And I love this program combining, you know, DEI, HR, wellness, because they all do go together. It's thriving, thriving people. I think that is something that really all organizations need to take on and really need to make sure like, you know, making sure like our, our brewers aren't, you know, doing an overnight transfer and then waking up the next day at four in the morning yeah, to, right. to grain in like these things as well, which are just as important as, as, as all of it together, making sure that we're all happy individuals. And so, yeah, oh gosh, just that, right. We have this heroic, <laughs> heroic narratives about overwork. Yes. That's part of our industry right now, you know? And so, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot to be done there, but it's, it's exciting to be understanding how that affects everything, right? How that affects everything. Like if you, if people are tired and exhausted and overworked, how are we going to make progress with getting those people to be compassionate and care about equity? Right. Right. If they, if they're barely functioning on their own, we have to kind of take it all together. Well, and that's such a good point that you bring up because I've talked with, you know, brewers before where they're like, well, all this stuff happening right now, it doesn't really involve us because we don't have a problem here, but then they don't have a female employee and they don't have any people of color working there. And they're like, no, it's not a problem here. Well, we put job listings out, but they don't apply. And it's like, okay, but how are you putting your job listings out? Like, what does your job description look like? And, you know, what positions are actually being offered, you know? So I, that really does go hand in hand. And of course, these are the breweries where it's, you know, that same person that was, you know, doing the overnight transfers, the one doing the grain in at like, you know, <laughs> at four in the morning the next day. So um, mm -hmm. th it does go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then where are some good places? So the Brewers Association, y'all have so many resources. Where should people go to if they're wanting to just get more for that program for their own business? Uh, where should they go on the Brewers Association website to find that information? Yeah, easiest way to look for is um, hit the website. So that's brewersassociation.org. Uh, then look at that menu right at the top that mm -hmm. says programs and then click diversity. And you can see kind of, um, all of the stuff, whether it's our resources, information about the committee, uh, information about the mini grants, the mentorship pro program, um, and uh, the benchmarking data that we've been collecting. It's kind of all centralized right there, which is, which is a nice place to go. Um, if you're looking for more, you can also check out crafted4all.com. Um, uh, we've got some resources as well, and um, especially, I would say, Turn your attention to the Crafted for All commitment. Um, that's a budget structure that we use to 
help people just get started. Um, it's intentionally a low bar and um, just gives you a way to say you like, you know, if you're, if you're scared and you're like, you don't know where to start, this is overwhelming. Um, we've got, you know, a list of 23 pretty straightforward action items that you could start on today. And that will form the foundation of a DEI effort that you can kind of um, grow and scale and expand moving forward. That's amazing. Thank you for that information. And then, so from the brewery perspective, we've got that. So uh, for people who are consumers who just really love craft beer and are kind of like confused as to like, okay, where can I drink? Like, where can I go? Who can I support? What are some things that you would recommend that consumers look for when they're looking for a brewery to support? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, and I, I don't know if I could say this is like the way to go about it, but I really feel like community orientation is so key, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you walk through the door of the brewery and you're like, yep, this feels like the community where I live, right? Like these are my neighbors. These are the people I see at the grocery store right. or at church or on the soccer field, right? Like that, um, that, you know, they are really embodying what it means to be a community space. That's for me always a win. Um, I love people who are really forward with what they stand for, right? Like what, what are our values, whether it's, you know, environmental conservation mm -hmm. or we are, um, right, supporting, you know, animals and like, making a, making a human stance for like your, your fur babies, you know, whatever they stand for. I love when, when folks kind of put that forward and show you like, this is what we stand for. And these are all the things we're doing to back that up. Right. That's awesome. So, you know, maybe that's a little like money where your mouth is. Um, but I, I'm, I love that. You know, I think with more than 9,000 breweries. Oh my gosh. Know, we have <laughs> Just keeps going now, up. Right? <laughs> yep. We have choices. You have choices. And um, there are more than enough out there for you to find, you know, the people who are making the products and running the types of businesses that you feel proud to support, you know? Right. I feel like there are too many breweries in the world for me to like look at a can and be like, ugh, do I feel okay about drinking this? Like if I have to hesitate, next can. Yeah. Right. That's such you a good I mean? point. We have so many choices right now. So it's, you know, I mean, this a similar thing I used to tell people, when they, you know, people often ask me about, you know, offensive labels or artwork, which is like an issue I almost never get into because I'm just like, honestly, I think I think of it as the Thanksgiving test for my family, right? Um, my stepmom, my nieces, my nephews, the babies, everyone's going to be at the table. If there, if I have to think that I might have to provide an explanation for the name or the artwork on the can, I'm just not buying it. Like, uh, if it's not passing the Thanksgiving test, I'm like, not having any awkward moment. We already have enough awkward moments at Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving test is like the best <laughs> litmus test that I've ever heard of. And I need, I need that yeah. in my life. Yeah. So I would tell people it's not, it's legitimately not about me being like, horribly offended or anything like that. I'm just like, why would I bring that into my face with my family? Like, yeah, I have enough choices. No, that's a great, that's a fantastic point to bring up because I think that it's something that 
Um, sometimes people have good intentions behind it. Sometimes they're just completely ignorant to it and just like, oh yeah, let's do this because it's a rice lager and let's make sure that we have this. But it's like, wait, did anybody consult with you on this? Um, <laughs> yeah. Did anybody? No. Great. So like, no. I don't, I like, yeah, I'm just, it, there's, there are too many options for us to compromise because, because you're cool or special or whatever, like that's just not going to fly anymore. Thanks. No, I agree. I think we, we, we're just past that point where everybody needs to educate themselves on, you know, and if it's questionable, then, you know, there's your answer. It just shouldn't even be. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I, I feel like I should somehow create some sort of, you know, auto reply. Like if you had to ask, you have your answer. (laughs) If you had to consult your, your, your friend, that's a person of color for this, then maybe no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for all of this information. It's so great to see so many positive changes and the way things are moving forward. And it's really encouraging to see that this is not just a fad, that this was not just something that people were posting up on Instagram, but it's just in the fiber of the way that businesses is done in this industry. And I love that that's the way that's going to be that things are moving forward. Um, my last question that I would love to ask you before, before I let you go is what is your favorite craft beer that you've had recently? That's like a new beer that you haven't had before. Mm, all right. So I never say, na- I never name names. Okay. Okay. You don't have to, policy, but the style. Um, yeah. Style is, um, style is everything. So Usually, you know, I'm usually kind of team Cezanne. Um, I love grisettes in the summer. That's what I call my kitchen beer. So I'm a home oh, brewer. I, and I, I, I brew grisettes on all summer long and I just keep it in my kitchen. Um, but lately I have been drinking the heck out of some Italian style pilsner. <gasps> that is my favorite Ooh. new style the past oh, like my. year. They're so good. Yeah. I've had some really, really fire salmon style pilsners, and um, some you know some of some folks are knocking them out of the park. Um, so keep making them, folks. That is gonna, that is like the hot girl summer beverage right it now. Is That's so right now. good. Um, good word here in Duluth, Georgia. They just had their little beer festival recently. Uh, their Italian style pilsner is chef's kiss. Like it is so good. So refreshing, so clean. And then, um, halfway crooks has one here too. That's just, uh, I, I'm, you just solidified my life right now. Cause I've been like crushing Italian pilsners. So good. Just, it's, it's just, it's been the the style that's been putting smiles on my face lately. So, um, I know it's like it goes a season and everybody's getting back in. So that's that stuff. But, um, if you haven't had a, you know, a local craft Italian, Italian style pills, go get yourself one. Mm-hmm. You will not be sorry. Um, <laughs> get it on a hot day, get a can while you're mowing your lawn. Oh yeah. Like, get a pizza. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a refresher. It's unpretentious. It's delightful. It's so good. Delightful. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Of course. Always welcome back. Thank 
you so much for listening. What a great episode. Honestly, I feel like every time I talk to Dr. J, my IQ goes up like 10 points. So I don't know if that's how IQs work, but that's just my assumption. I just feel so much more intelligent and informed and she's amazing. She's wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to that. It was a great conversation. Uh, you can learn more about Crafted for All by going to craftedforall.com. It's a great resource, great website, lots of amazing information there. And then also Crafted for Action. That is an amazing festival coming up uh, hosted by Jen Price of the Atlanta Beer Boutique. She's put together an incredible event. Tickets are currently available. You can go, you can follow them on Instagram, Crafted for Action on Instagram. And then the link in their bio takes you to tickets. Uh, Or you can go to craftedforaction.tix.tix dot page p-a-g-e and that has all of the events listed there's a ton of free events all of the virtual event is free it's all you have to do is register for it there's also a ton of really cool uh features to it so we've got like a beer dinner there's a beer 101 a beer 101 which is like a beer flight and education there's fun happy hours happening so there's a ton of uh, in-person and virtual events that you can definitely take part in. So if you're not in Atlanta, still register for the virtual part because there's a lot of great information there. And I will be moderating two panels, which I cannot wait to, cannot wait for that. It'll be so much fun. Well, thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, cheers.